0: Welcome to Hope Talks: Stories of Transformation. Hope Talks is a project of David's United Church of Christ in Canal Winchester, Ohio, and dedicated to providing stories with different perspectives of hope. Hi, everybody. I'm Patty Houston-Holm. My guest today is Catherine Harrison. She is 44 years old and a fifth-generation farmer. She's got goats and sheep and chickens. More than that, she's an artist and a mentor for the next generation of farmers, especially women who are underrepresented in agriculture careers. We've got a lot to unpack here in the next 20 to 25 minutes. Welcome, Catherine.
1: Hello, Patty. I am delighted to be here. Thank you very much for this opportunity. I know the first time we met in person was with my goats.
0: (laughs) Yes, I took goat yoga on your farm. And if people don't know what that is, Um, my first experience, it was my first experience doing yoga surrounded by your wonderful goats. I don't know, maybe 20 of them. You know, it's fun that I'm talking to you right now because I can see your farm in the background. And um, I I would love it if one of your chickens can come and and introduce himself or herself, but, but we'll see how that happens. Anyway, it was a wonderful experience out in the country that day. And I had some delicious chocolate chip cookies that you gave us with so your grandmother's recipe. Yes. And then we met uh, a second time and a third time at the home of a mutual friend, Nancy Berry, and we had wine and pizza.
1: Yes, those were wonderful visits. I am so blessed that Nancy Berry has introduced me to just wonderful people that have enriched my life. She has been Just an amazing part of my world. And I'm so grateful that after my own mother passed away, several of her classmates really took an interest in my world and supported me with a lot of love. Nancy Beery has spearheaded that. And I call her my chosen aunt because even though we are not related by blood, we are related by love. And I'm so fortunate that I have had amazing women who have guided me along the way.
0: Nancy is a mother and an aunt and a friend to many Mm -hmm. uh, including you so Nancy said uh you know Catherine doesn't fit into a box and the more I learn about you I realize that's true uh Catherine I was in your at your farm for about an hour over the weekend and I met two young women there they were singing your praises about you help how you helped them Uh, one who has ducks right now living on your land and another another one who recently launched her own alpaca farm in Thornville, Ohio because of you. So I'm just intrigued about your life from so many angles. Uh, Talk to us first about farming. How did you get to be a farmer? Is that the right term? Um, What does it mean and what does it mean for a woman?
1: I appreciate you asking, Patty, because this farm is my heart and soul. It is truly my calling to be here. Farming is not easy by any means. It can be incredibly difficult, but in contrast to the struggles, there are also abundant joys. And when you are doing something that you know is your calling, it is right. And I am very blessed to be here. I grew up on this farm. I am the fifth generation of my family to work this particular farm. That is such an amazing opportunity at this time in the world, because in olden times, many people would live in the same house and work the same farm that their ancestors did. But I recognize how unique my journey is in this day and age that I get to live in the same house, work in the same barn and care for the same land that my great great grandfather did. Being a farmer means a great deal to me. It would, hard, it would be hard to even put fully into words what that term means. I was fortunate that my grandparents were a big influence on my life as a child and my grandfather was my hero. He modeled for me what it means to be a caretaker of God's creation how you serve animals, how you tend the land. The first time that an article referred to me in print as a farmer, I can still recall how heartwarming that was to me when I read that article. In 2016, a magazine called Edible Columbus wrote a very kind article about my efforts and they titled me as the fearless female farmer. I can still recall that feeling of seeing the term farmer with my name and just feeling such a sense of humility that I had earned that term, knowing the remarkable individuals around me who were also farmers. It is a very unique thing to be a woman who is a full-time farmer. And I have, a again, a unique journey there because Most farmers work with their siblings, their spouse, their parents. I just happen to be at a point in my life where both of my parents are deceased, my grandparents are deceased. I was my parents' only child. I did not have the blessing of marriage or children. So what I do, I do solo, which offers some very unique trials along the way, but I just feel so blessed to be here. If you look at American agriculture, it has the oldest professional cohort of any career. The average age of a farmer is 58, and that is the average age of 58. In the United States, about 14% of farms are owned and operated by women. Now, the National Agricultural Census has actually recently adjusted how they take statistics because they began to recognize that even though it might be a primary operator who was a gentleman, women were having a huge influence on the operation of farms as well. And I could certainly see that in my grandparents because although they had their own realms on the farm and what they did on their daily task list, they were both contributing to decision-making here. So I appreciate that as of the last few years, the National Agriculture Census has readjusted its questions so that it is inquiring if there are both male and female decision makers on the farm instead of just asking who the primary owner operator is. And that began to reflect the fact that so many women are involved in agriculture in different ways, but we're still sitting around that 14% number for those who are the principal owner operators on farms. I love what I do. It is not easy. I've had so many people who have supported me along my journey and hence it's very important to me to be there to help support the future generation of beginning farmers so that everyone has an opportunity to pursue their passions for the food and farm community.
0: Catherine, what's an average day like for you on a farm?
1: I think that chicken was just laughing at the concept of an average day. (laughs) Well, as a given this morning, I had a certain plan for the day I was looking forward to our conversation and so thought that I would get a little extra rest this morning Monday morning is often my quiet morning. And then I envisioned that I would go out to get the feeding done be able to sit down for my conversation with you having lots of things checked off the list. The animals had other plans, so (laughs) I have already been working with a mother sheep with twins that were newborn. I suspect what happened was she gave birth to one. She began to clean it, get it going, do all of her maternal tasks to care for it, and then as her labor continued, she delivered the second baby. While she was focused on the second baby, it appeared that baby number one had learned how to walk and walked away from her. So when I discovered them, I had a very disoriented baby who was screaming for mama. She was still coming out of labor. So she was managing all of those hormones and experiences that follow a delivery. We needed to navigate the rest of the herd of sheep to move them into a more comfortable area so they could have some privacy. But along the way, another sheep had somehow managed to get her leg tangled up in a pumpkin that was attached to her and so as i was trying to move mother and babies i also had a a u with a pumpkin stuck on her leg to explain that we receive a lot of donations of pumpkins after halloween pumpkin is very healthy for livestock our sheep adore the pumpkins they are a treat but somehow this one had managed to step through a pumpkin so before i could move these tender newborns I had to deal with an angry sheep who was running through the rest of the herd with a pumpkin on her. And that was just one of the items that derailed my plans for the day. So I often joke that I wake up in the morning, I make a plan, and then the animals throw it out very quickly. But I am fortunate that I get to do something that is always engaging to me. I knew I was not meant to have an office job, and the animals make sure that I am never bored.
0: So did you learn all of this when you were a student at the University of Richmond in Virginia?
1: I did not. (laughs) My undergraduate studies were a double major in history and world religions. And then when I went on for a graduate certification, I pursued economics education. I have a real love of meeting people, learning their stories, and understanding culture through the lens of history, economics, religion, all of those exciting social sciences. My grandfather was very much my mentor in farming.
0: So on Saturday, when I was at your farm, I met these two young women who said you are their mentor. So I, I'm kind of outing you right now with that. But, you know, um, you know, that's part the teaching part of you. Uh, what have you done with young people who are coming out and kind of interested in uh, your world?
1: I love working with young people. I love nurturing beginning farmers. Again, I use the words fortunate and blessed so often because I truly am. There were individuals who helped nurture me along my journey and so I wanna make sure that I am honoring what others did for me by helping the next generation of farmers. After I finished my undergraduate degree in history and world religions, I decided to pursue teaching. And so I received a graduate certification in economics education so that I could be a high school social studies teacher. I loved teaching. I spent uh, three years doing that. And if I had not had opportunities in agriculture, I would have stayed in teaching because I truly enjoyed it. That being said, now that I am on the farm full time, I am finding so much more fulfillment with the farm as my classroom. I enjoy so much working with young people and spending time with them. One of my dear friends is Aubrey, the alpaca farmer. And she first came into my world when she was a high school student. She was in FFA and is part of her supervised agricultural education experience. She worked here with me on my farm And it was such a wonderful experience to see her develop skills along the way. Following that time frame, we nurtured a friendship. And she actually was my roommate for a little while after she got out of college. When she and her husband, Aaron, began their alpaca operation, they housed their alpacas here at my farm. So they started with just five. They are now close to 30 alpacas. And so as the herd was growing, Aubrey and Aaron built a barn at their own property. And so the alpacas are now at their farm. It is a flourishing operation. It brings me so much joy to see what they have been able to develop. I want my farm to be a place where young people can not only gain skills, perhaps through an internship here or volunteer opportunities, but then also have the opportunity to start building their own endeavor. Hence Aubrey and Aaron's alpacas are such a success story to me of young people who have spent time growing their skills, learning, and are now building a flourishing operation. I think of my farm as a place where the community is not only welcomed and valued, but is a place that I always want others to be able to learn honestly about agriculture. When I share stories about the farm, I strive to be transparent. There is a lot of humor here. And I often joke with my team that for me, social media gold is if I have an adorable baby animal and then I do something clumsy, which I am very good at doing. So there is humor in every day. There are also amazing joys and heartbreaking sorrows. I try to share that transparently, whether it is through the stories that I put on Facebook or with the young people that I am mentoring and training and skills, or even our visitors who come out and ask me questions about agriculture.
0: So the other young woman I met, she said, um, she said, you know, Patty, my ducks are here. <laughs> <laughs> she, said, she said at some point, she said, I, she said, lives in Columbus and you're living in Growport, and she. Drives over three times a week to see her ducks and to you and to see you. So how many many animals do you have today on your farm and what are they?
1: We have around 600 to 700 animals that are in my care at any given time. That varies a little bit here and there. Marissa is our duck farmer and she is another young individual who is so dear to me. She did an internship here while she was at Ohio State University and immediately struck me as a very thoughtful and curious individual. It is hard to be a farmer if you live in an apartment. You cannot simply wake up one morning and say, I want to start a duck farm here at my apartment. If you want to get into agriculture and you do not have the land or the capital, it is very difficult. So Marissa, after doing her internship, decided that she wanted to begin an endeavor here. She currently has 24 ducks. She has a laying duck operation. So in addition to Marissa's ducks, my former intern Katrina also has a rabbit operation here. And my dear friend, Rebecca, keeps her honeybees on sites. She's our beekeeper and we have several beehives in the North pasture where the sheep graze. My primary animals are the sheep, goats, and chickens. Those are the ones that I enjoy raising and am most vested in. I also have a horse named Maya, who is my best friend, and Cecilia the donkey. She was a rescue donkey that ended up here. It's taken me a long time to earn her trust, but she seems very happy here at the farm. Along with that, I have a menagerie of barn cats who are in charge of helping to keep down rodent issues here, plus two dogs who are incredibly dear to me, Augustus and Bonnie Blue.
0: So you actually, do you butcher there and sell the meat from some of the animals?
1: I appreciate you asking. I work with a couple of local family-owned butcher shops who do my processing for me. I believe that every animal has a purpose, and I want to make sure that those who are going to contribute by becoming meat are honored throughout the circle of life. As I work with the young people here, it is very important to me that they understand the values that shape my approach to farming. The animals can contribute to the farm in many different ways. I expect the animals to contribute. I expect the humans to contribute. We all have a role here. The chickens lay eggs, the ducks lay eggs. The goats can grow up to become yoga goats. They might be a part of our educational crew. We do some off site events, especially targeted grazing that we call our rent a goat program. The goats can also grow up to become parents. If they do not find another role, then they contribute by becoming meat. And I'm very proud of the naturally raised lamb and goat that comes from this farm. I work very hard to care for the animals. I want to make sure that each step of the journey they are showing respect. If they do contribute by becoming meat, they go to one of the butcher shops with which I work. I work a lot with the immigrant and refugee community to make sure that they are able to source protein products that meet their cultural and religious needs. I also uh, direct market a lot of our lamb and goat. We have some really amazing products, including some different sausages and broths that we produce and it is exciting for me to be able to share with people the food products that come from this farm.
0: Wow. See, that's that's a fascinating topic in itself. I just really appreciate you sharing that. So, so uh, when I was at your farm uh, again a couple of days ago, mm-hmm. I took a picture of you with a skull of an animal.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, I'm actually looking at that photo right now and remembering someone asking you if you were selling that. And your response was quite beautiful. Can you share?
1: Ah, I will ask you to help guide me if I leave out anything that you are recalling. Sure. Something that is very important to me when I am sharing my vision for agriculture is reiterating that if we are omnivores and we are going to consume products and use products from animals, that we approach it in a thoughtful way we show respect, and we use every part. I do not believe in wasting uh, items as it is, but especially if an animal has shared its life to contribute to the well-being of its community around it. And so when an animal ends its journey, whether it's going to be processed or whether it's spent a long life here and it has simply reached the end of its days, the animal items then are composted After the natural breakdown through the biological process, I will then uh, retrieve the skulls and bones and I sun bleach those. I work with a lot of collectors and artists. There are many artists who work in bone as a medium. It is incredibly invigorating to me that as unusual as it seems to work with bone, the people who do put such a high value on ethical sourcing I love connecting with artists who ask me really intricate and invested questions about how I raise my animals and my values as a farmer. So coming back to the skull that you referenced, that is a very special one from a goat who was older in age. His name was Ferdinand and he was a part of the farm for a memorable period of time. After Ferdinand ended his journey, I took special care to clean his skull and his horns to make sure that they reflected the beauty of that creature because he carried much nobility about him. And I wanted there to be beauty as we appreciated what was left of him after his life journey here. And I believe that I was sharing the skull with some of my team so that they could see how Ferdinand had turned out after I cleaned it. And I believe someone asked me if it was for sale and if I can recall my response I likely said something along the lines of I would consider selling it to someone within our farm family. There are certain animals who have been a part of this farm for a long period of time and that matters to me. While I do market a lot of the skulls to collectors There are animals who deserve to stay within our farm family. And I use that family term a lot for my team of volunteers and interns, because this is a family farm. We just all have different last names. And so there are certain animals that I want to make sure that they stay within that farm family. And so Ferdinand, I've made it clear, could be available to the right person who would honor him.
0: I totally love your philosophy of life, um, on a totally different, but somewhat related topic. My husband and I have, uh, secured natural burial sites, yes. uh, for, for us as humans, there are two, mm-hmm. two such approved sites in the state of Ohio that, um, and so we've secured, we, Yes. we actually believe, um, you and I have a lot of the same philosophies I'm, I'm sensing. So, so Catherine, um, The theme of these podcasts is hope, uh, stories of transformation, and your story is certainly one of those, uh, perhaps one that's still transforming. Um, I hate the word close, but can we close with um, where you see a greater purpose or hope in your personal story?
1: I have had such an interesting journey and I am grateful to be where I am today. In 2016, when the farm was auctioned, there were many things in my life that were turbulent. Um, The relationship that I anticipated was going to result in a marriage had unexpectedly ended. My uh, job had unexpectedly ended. My grandmother had been diagnosed with cancer and I lost her My mentor was diagnosed with a brain tumor and we lost him soon thereafter. My own health was not good. I have a neurological condition. And one of the things that exacerbates it is stress. And so I was dealing with a lot of health issues. Along the way, my house was also robbed. All of those things happened in a very short window of time. And so as I learned that my grandparents' farm, following my grandmother's passing, was going to be auctioned, I really had to take stock of who I was and what I wanted to do in my journey. And during that time, I made the decision that I was going to throw myself all into this farm and do everything I could to carry on what my grandparents had taught me. It was not an easy decision, but it was the right decision. I could not just walk away from my grandparents' life work and let it be uh, sold for a different purpose. I recognize that it is just a piece of ground, but for me, it was the piece of ground on which my grandparents had spent their life's work. And I knew that I needed to at least try the best I could to keep that farm going. And I promised myself that if I failed, I failed, but I was going to fail spectacularly if I did. And so I've literally put my heart and soul into it in that really dark window of my life, as I was grappling with what life meant and what my purpose could be, being in the house, again, where all these generations of my family had lived was a situation that I had to learn to navigate both my history and my future, relying so much on the experiences of those who had come before me. I often share the story of my great-grandmother who was a remarkable woman. I never had the joy of meeting her, but she was very close to her son, my grandfather, and hence I grew up with stories about her. When she was a young farm wife, she was at home alone one day. Her husband, my great-grandfather, was out working in the field. And while my great-grandmother was alone at home, the house caught on fire. And fire was terrifying in those years where it was not easy simply to call for assistance and have help. She was there solo. She was able to save two things in that fire, a pillow that she had hand embroidered. I still have that pillow. My grandfather gave it to me on my 16th birthday and she also saved her piano.
0: Catherine, it's been my pleasure to get to know you and and your chocolate chip cookies. (laughs) 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 <laughs> <laughs> and and your goats um i appreciate you sharing some of your story and i'm just so excited to see how it's going to evolve thank you so i'm patty houston home my conversation today has been with katherine harrison in the midwestern state of ohio within the united states her website is harrisonfarm13.com if you have a comment about this podcast or an idea for a future podcast on a story of transformation, send us an email at talks at davidsucc.net. Be blessed. Thank you for listening to this segment of Hope Talks. I hope you join us again. And please encourage others to listen and check out other David's United Church of Christ programs at davidsucc.net. It is our hope that your day is filled with hope.